Hey, Brian here with the Mid-City Vineyard Church Weekend Teaching Podcast. If you want to learn a little bit more about Mid-City Vineyard, you can check us out online, midcityvineyard.org, Instagram at midcityvineyard, or on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church. Hey, for those of you who uh, listen to the podcast and enjoy what you're hearing here and find yourself kind of ebbing and flowing and growing a bit, if you would like to donate and give towards the ministry of Mid-City Vineyard, uh, it's easy to do. You can do that on our website at midcityvineyard.org. Click on the donate link. You can also text the letters MCV to 77977, and you can give on uh, through the app there. And it's just a great way to support the ongoing ministry of Mid-City Vineyard. Hey, this week we continue our series, Breathing Underwater. This was actually the 12th part of the series, but also the second part of a teaching that we were doing on prayer. So we're going to head on over to the podcast today as we look at some very practical ways of learning how to pray. So let's head on over. Much peace to you. Look, we're going to go part two of last week where we were talking about prayer. I think last week I titled it Practicing Prayer, and this week I entitled this Practical Prayer, because this week we're going to look at more of the nuts and bolts of praying and what prayer might potentially look like, Uh, and we'll also do a little bit more of the, the why this week. But I want to start with Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which might be a passage that uh, you might be very familiar with this, where St. Paul says, Therefore, I urge all of you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true uh, and proper worship. Don't conform to the patterns of the world any longer, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A very popular passage. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Another way of, uh, of reading that would be um, be transformed by the renovation of your imagination, by allowing your imagination to be renovated, by allowing uh, the Spirit of God to, uh, where you're learning to think with God, the thoughts of God, as we talked last week, that we have the mind of Christ. Being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, how do we do that? How are we transformed the renewing, by the renewing of our mind? Because as you, if, if you might recall from last week, and if you weren't here, then go back. I encourage you to listen to, to that podcast. But we talked last week about this idea that we are not just brains on a stick. We are not just thinking beings. So Descartes said, I think, therefore, I am. And since then, that time in the 16th century, we've kind of moved in line with this idea that we are thinking beings. And so we try to fill our heads. And the more we, we feel like we feel our heads, fill our heads, then we will be able to live out of that new knowledge. But as we discussed last week, there is much more to us than simply being thinking beings. Because just information does not change You cannot be transformed by the renewing of your mind just by obtaining new information. So even in the church, if you think about this, there's a a common uh, word in the church, the the word discipleship. And people talk about 
uh, discipleship and how is a person discipled, so to speak. And many have gone the route of, well, the way you make a disciple is you teach them how to live like a Christian. You teach them how to live like Jesus. And then the next step would be, so how do you teach someone? Well, you sit down with them and you tell them how to do it. It's fascinating, though, because this is not at all how Jesus ever discipled anyone. Jesus would teach, but then the important part was when the rubber hit the road, he would take people with him and they would live it out together. Because ultimately, we are need-to-grow, need-to-know kind of people. And what that means is, when it's time, when you need to grow, that's when you need to know whatever it is. For instance, a lot of my friends went to seminary and then became pastors. I became a pastor and then got my schooling. And I got so much more out of my schooling than any of my friends who went to seminary and then became pastors. Because what happened to them was they got all the head knowledge and then they got into it. And then once they were into it, they didn't remember any of the head knowledge because now they're practicing it. And they're like, oh, I got to go back to this book or I got to go back to this this class or I got to go back to these notes and figure out what did the professor say. Whereas for me, it was more like, oh, I'm in this. I don't know what the heck to do. And it's like, hey, school might help. And then when I'm in school and the professor is teaching, all of a sudden it's like, oh, that makes sense. Now, you can't do that in all professions. But you can do it in, 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 in this one. Think about this. What about driving? How many of you learned how to drive on a stick shift? Okay. All right. So I did also. And I learned when I was 14 years old, uh, because for whatever reason, you could get your permit at 14. Nope. <laughs> Not going to happen. So, so here's, here's, here's the deal. It was, it was uh, what year was it? It was 1990. What? what? It was 1990, maybe 1991. It, and I was driving a 1984 Nissan Maxima. And it was a stick shift. And, and so what we did was we, we got in the, in the car, and everything within me had to concentrate on, okay, left foot clutch, uh, right hand first gear, right foot gas, left foot off of the clutch, oh. left foot clutch, turn it back on, okay, right foot first gear, left foot gas, left foot, or right foot gas, left foot clutch. And all of this, learning how to do it, my brain is working overtime, thinking through, how do I do this? And now I finally got it to fourth gear. We're on a, on a road somewhere where I can go maybe 35 or 40 miles per hour. And now my dad says, okay, switch lanes. Okay, so I, I, I go to hit the blinker, and now the windshield wipers are going. It's like, no, that's not it. And so, and okay, right turn, okay. And now, and, 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 and I start to get over, and dad says, no! And so I get back, and he says, you've got to look in the mirror. The blind, there's a car right Right, blind spot. Okay, so, you know, and, and every thing, single moment, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking. Fast forward 30 years, and what happens now? I get off of a, what's that? That is, that is the story. Is that not the story? Fast forward it. 
You're leaving your job. You just had a, a heated conversation with a coworker. You know you're right, but they said you were wrong, and you can't, you can't get past it. You get in your car. You're rehearsing it over and over and over and over and over and over again, and the next thing you know, you're in front of your house, and you have no idea how you got there. You have no idea which road you took. You have no idea when you shifted gears. You have no idea if you even checked your blind spots, but you know you did. Why? Because you've been doing the same thing for the last 20, 25, 30, whatever it is, years. How about this? When I was 19, I taught myself, I'm going to unplug this and it's going to pop. Okay. I taught myself how to play the guitar when I was 19 years old. And when I, when I taught myself how to play the guitar, it looked like this. Uh, it looked like me in my room going like this. I'd look at the piece of paper that says middle finger goes on this string, pointer finger goes on this string, and ring finger goes on this string. And I would do that, and then it would say strum, and I would go, I'm on my way. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, now I had to play a, another chord. Now I'd be like, okay, this one has to do this, and this one has to go here. This one has. Grace, house. Oh, crap. <laughs> you, see, you see what I'm saying here? So, and then I remember actually learning there was a song I really wanted to learn, and it went between C, this is a C, and an F. This is an F. F was the hardest chord for me to ever learn. And I literally remember at the age of 19 standing in front of a mirror going like this for 20 minutes. C, F, C, F, C, F, C, F, C, F, C, F, C, F. So that we could get to a place where tonight we're at least able to go, me. How sweet the sound without thinking about it. Think about your eating habits. <laughs> okay, let's keep <laughs> Think about your eating habits. You do you realize you cannot just think yourself into a new way of eating? How many of you have tried? You were sitting at home, and you thought, you know what? I'm tired of looking this way, or I'm tired of feeling this way, <laughs> whatever. I'm not going to eat pizza anymore, because pizza is bad for me, and I know that, and so I'm not going to eat pizza anymore. And then you come to church, and it's after church, and your friends say, hey, we're going to G's for pizza, and you're saying, of course we are, because that's what we do. And because pizza is my favorite food. Now, you can't think your way into a new way of eating. In order to eat healthy, you actually have to retrain your hungers. You have to retrain yourself. And in order to retrain yourself, you have to deform or detrain, untrain yourself from your other eating patterns. So, for instance, if ice cream is your kryptonite, as it is mine, 
then it's not just I'm not going to eat ice cream any longer, but it also, it begins with practice. It begins with also today when I go to Rouse's, I'm not walking down the ice cream aisle. And I'm, I'm going to make this decision over and over and over again. I'm going to start working my way out of sugar, sugary foods. I'm going to start working my way away from Diet Coke or whatever it is, okay? And then what ultimately happens, not, you know, if you start this on Tuesday, it doesn't happen by Wednesday. But ultimately what happens, you stay away from sugar from some amount of time because of practice, then the next time you have that Randazzo's king cake, it does something to your system. Your system goes, whoa, that was too sweet. And yet you never imagined a day you would say something was too sweet when you were in your heyday of eating an entire Randazzo's king cake for breakfast. I've never done that, but, you know, for those who might have. Right? Right? What has to happen? We train ourselves. We form new habits. We have to be formed, and the way we are formed, I would suggest to you, is through practice. So what's the deal here then? Learning is not just acquiring new information. It's more like inscribing something into the very fiber of your being so that the more you practice it, the more you practice it, the more you practice it, the more you practice it. Now, when you have an argument at work, you know you're right, your coworker's wrong, you can rehearse the conversation the entire way home from work, and you can be safe in front of your house. You have no idea how you got there. But it's because you practiced, 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 practiced. And now you're able to do it without even thinking about it. When it comes to shaping your soul, when it comes to shaping your spirit, when it comes to shaping your life, I would say that one of the most foundational practices is the practice of prayer. Now, let's be very clear tonight. I'm not talking about this from a legalistic standpoint, not from a manipulative standpoint, not from the standpoint of, and you will not hear me, you will never hear me say, nor will I ever believe that the more you pray, the more God is pleased with you. The more you pray, the more God loves you. The more you pray, the more God smiles upon you. I do not believe that in any way, shape, or form, and I don't want you to leave here thinking, oh, I have to pray for any of those reasons. Absolutely not. I would suggest to you that the more you pray and the more I pray and the more we practice this, the more we are formed and molded and shaped into Christ-likeness from the standpoint of the more we are able to begin thinking like Christ and understanding what God's will is and understanding what Christ is doing in us and through us and with us. So prayer ultimately is a formative process. We don't really pray to change God. We pray that we might be formed, that we might be changed. That it, it's, Prayer is kind of this thing that reminds us that, that we're not God and God is God. And, and we are on a journey of moving towards and with and participating with God. It's interesting. Angry people pray angry prayers. Fearful people pray fearful prayers. Greedy people pray greedy prayers. Vengeful people pray vengeful prayers. Think about it. 
Greedy people pray greedy prayers. You've probably heard this before. Vengeful people praying vengeful prayers. You've probably heard this before. You, you, you will probably, no, I'm not going to use the word probably. You will never, and I, I say this by the grace of God, you will never hear me pray a prayer asking God to do something evil to someone who has harmed me personally. And I, I am speaking personally because I'm not a vengeful person. And if you are a vengeful person, then you might have found yourself praying those types of prayers. Or if not praying those types of prayers, maybe saying something a little bit more like, well, at least they'll get what's coming to them when they meet God, which is a vengeful prayer. Greedy people pray greedy prayers. I might pray that one more. Like when I wanted to buy my tickets yesterday for the Mega Billion Lotto. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Please let me just win this. Um, but you, you understand where we're going with this. So here's what I would suggest. Uh, we need, as followers of Christ, we need a structure. We, we need a structure uh, to actually break out of praying prayers that are just in line with what we want or what we think we need. Does that make sense? Because if we don't have some type of structure then what we end up doing is just when we go for prayer, when we go to pray, we just end up praying for things we want or things we need or things we think we should be praying for as opposed to actually really cooperating with what God is doing. And so I would suggest that a structure is something that could really help us so that we might begin to learn how to pray in a, what we would call a formative way. Now there's this word that I'm going to use a few times. Liturgy. You might have heard this word. High church uses the word liturgy often, Catholic church, Episcopal church. Uh, a liturgy is basically, a, a, it's, um, it's, it's like it's worship of the, of the Lord. Uh, the word actually means the work of the people. Uh, liturgy is a, is a, how would I describe that? Liturgy is a form. It's kind of a, a, a blueprint of sorts that one follows. So what is so our liturgy most evenings here is uh, we would sing two or three songs of worship together. We would read the scripture together. We would share communion together. Part of our liturgy is we share coffee together. That's actually part of our liturgy. Uh, we, we teach out of the scriptures together. We pray for each other. That's our liturgy as we worship together. But liturgy is not something that is alive or dead so much as liturgy is, is something that is either true or false. Liturgy is a track that we can run on. And then when we have the track, we bring our own intentionality to the track as it is already set. Perhaps this would make more sense. Micah, put that picture up of the trellis. So you know what a trellis is, right? A trellis is this beautiful woodwork that is up against the house. But what is the purpose of the trellis? Ultimately, the purpose of the trellis is that it would support the plant that is growing up and wrapping its vines around the pieces of wood. The trellis is pretty because there's a time before the plant grows that this trellis, you know, people want to see the trellis. But most of the time, when the plant is fully grown, you don't even see the trellis any longer. All you see is the plant that has grown up because the plant is not like a tree. It can't stand on its own. And so it needs something that it can latch on to. I would say that 
praying in a in particular fashion, the liturgy that you choose to use is the trellis. It's the, it's the thing that supports your prayers. It's the thing that gives you something uh, to aim at so that your prayers begin to grow up the trellis because you had a format, you had a pathway, you had a vision for where you wanted to go. A form, a liturgy of prayer, actually gives us even something to pray when we don't feel like praying. So have you ever hit a place where you, where you thought, well, I've been taught maybe that praying is good, but I'm kind of annoyed with the divine right now, uh, and I don't feel like praying. And even if I did, I don't even know what to pray, because the last time I asked God for that stuff, God didn't show up and kind of uh, let me down. So I'm just not going to pray because I don't even know what to pray. Anybody ever been there? Besides me, yes? So if a person has a particular liturgy for prayer, a particular form for prayer, then at least what it does is it keeps us in the mode of allowing ourselves to continually continue being formed even when we don't want to or we don't know what to pray. I'm going somewhere with this. Hang on. Two more minutes and you'll see where. Throughout the scripture, you read, and then Jesus went off to be alone. And then Jesus went off to pray. And then Jesus and the disciples went to pray. In the, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, and then the disciples and the apostles devoted themselves to prayer. Have you ever wondered, well, what was, what was Jesus doing? <laughs> I mean, like, I, I have. You know, was Jesus going off and... Well, God, today, uh, would you just help me to get along with Thomas? Because he's been doubting again, and it's really driving me crazy. And uh, Peter is, uh, oh, Peter is so aggravating. So today, you know, when, when we get in that conversation, would you help me, you know, just help me deal with Peter again. And, and I'd, re I'd really love if you come through when we get there with the 5,000 people, because, you know, last time we only had a couple baskets left over. Maybe you could do something bigger, you know, because, like, it was kind of, Kind of embarrassing. I mean, what did Jesus, what, what, what was he doing? Well, do you know that Jewish culture, Jewish men and women 2,000 years ago, and still today, uh, actually had set prayers? They would pray in the morning. They would pray in the afternoon. They would pray in the evening. Much like uh, uh, Muslims do today, they have their prayers at 6 a.m., at 9 a.m., at noon, at afternoon, and evening prayers. And Muslims have that. They pray five times a day. Well, Jewish people actually had something very similar, and still have, where they would actually have set prayers. Do you realize that Jesus himself had set prayers that Jesus would go off and pray? Jesus would go off and pray, and pray, he would pray set Jewish prayers. And Jesus was not always praying to get God to do stuff. Jesus, because Jesus was fully human, Jesus would go off and say his prayers for the same reason you and I would. Because Jesus, even in Jesus' own life, was being formed. Jesus was acquiring the mind 
of God, the thoughts of God. Jesus was ebbing and flowing and participating with what God was already doing. Jesus was learning as he went. And Jesus would go off and say his prayers. And the purpose always has been of Jewish prayer was that the person doing the praying would be transformed. So now if you think back, What's happening to Jesus in the garden when Jesus is praying? Remember when the disciples, Peter, James, and John kept falling asleep and Jesus is off praying and it says he's, he's, he's praying so fervently that he's, he's like perspiring blood and then he goes back and he says to Peter, James, and John, he's like, why are you sleeping? Wake up. Come on. I, like, there's serious stuff going on. Be praying. And then he would go back and pray. And what is happening? Jesus, even Jesus himself is being transformed because what does he say? He says, God, listen. In this moment, in this time, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go through the cross. I don't want to go through the torture. I don't want to go through what what I think is coming. But in this moment, not my will, but yours be done. Even Jesus is being formed, being transformed. That's transformative prayer. I would suggest that this is one of the key primary ways that we change, that we are formed. And so tonight, I want to give you just a couple of practical thoughts on what prayer might look like for you. And you need to know, I mean, this is the super cliff note version, but this is what I've decided. Uh, Well, I'll tell you that in just a minute. Here are a couple of ideas for getting started. Uh, And if you have a pen, I didn't put this necessarily on your paper, and there's not much room to write, but you you might find places to doodle. First off, might you consider committing to, and this is your own personal commitment. You're not going to tell me about it or or anybody else unless you want to. But might you consider taking 40 days? 40 is just kind of a number that, we use in these things a lot. I, I don't know. Take 30. Take 20. I don't care. I think 40 helps form a new habit. I think that's kind of part of the process here. But take 40 days and, and decide, hey, would I give this five minutes every day or 10 minutes every day? If you're a person who doesn't currently set aside 10 minutes to just sit quietly each day, maybe you would start with 10 minutes. If you already set aside 10 minutes every day, maybe it's move it up to 15. What, it's, it's your thing. Number two, find a prayer model that works for you. And I'm going to give you a few tonight. So commit to a time frame and then find a model that works for you and use that model. So here's one model. We would call this praying the hours. It could be called divine hours or praying the hours. And here's how it works. You would set a daily rhythm. Maybe you would choose praying the hours morning and evening. Maybe you decide I'll pray in the morning at 7 a.m. and again at the evening at 7 p.m. And maybe you're looking for five minutes at 7 a.m. and seven minutes at seven, five minutes at 7 p.m. Or maybe you choose you want to go a little bit more than that. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Maybe those are your hours. If you have a set pattern, I'll, 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 I'll spend five minutes at my breakfast, five minutes at lunchtime, five minutes at dinner time. Other people might choose something a little bit more um, intense. 6 a.m., at 9 a.m., at noon, at 3 p.m., at 6 p.m., uh, at 9 p.m. I think these are all healthy and good models. But it gives you, here's, what that is, that's your trellis. That's your trellis. So when you pray the hours, first you set a daily rhythm. The second thing you would do is choose a guide, which I would say find a particular prayer 
or a psalm that you would sit with, that you would recite and sit with. And what I've done on your orange paper, prayers for consideration, this is also part of your trellis, prayers for consideration. There's the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so if a person was going to pray this, and you're saying, well, that's not much of a prayer. That's kind of the point. Because what we're trying to do is move out of, for, for some of us, a model of prayer where we just show up and we just talk a bunch of stuff. And we're trying to move more towards a formative style of prayer. So let's say I'm praying the hours, and I'm doing it in the morning and the evening. I'm 7 a.m., and I show up. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Maybe two or three times, it's kind of a mantra of sorts, and then I just sit with it. Holy Spirit, what are you doing today? As you have mercy on me, as I look to follow you, may I experience you today. And you just sit with it. Five minutes. And then you come back and you do the same thing in the evening. That would be the trellis. And say, well, that, that sounds weird or that sounds boring. You're going to give it 40 days. And I, I promise you, you give it a solid 40 days and you, you set your rhythm. You're going to start to experience different thoughts, different understandings of the Spirit. Because I, I believe that I really, truly, just as I believe Christ meets us in communion, so Christ meets us in prayer. Uh, the Jesus Creed. Maybe this would be your mantra. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself is known as the Jesus Creed. Or maybe the glory, uh, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forevermore, world without end. Amen. Hallelujah. Or the Lord's Prayer, which you might be quite familiar with. Praying the hours. Set a daily rhythm. Choose a guide. And then the last thing is show up. I would encourage you set an alarm on your phone. If you want to do it at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., set an alarm. Prayers, 7 a.m. Goes off every morning. Prayer, 7 p.m. Goes up, boom. It reminds you. It's just, this is for you. Here's a, here's a second model. We would call this centering prayer. Maybe I'll post this somewhere because I have a feeling that we're going to forget these things. Um, centering prayer would look like this. Set aside 10 minutes in the morning, in the afternoon, or in the evening. Centering prayer looks like this. Assume a relaxed posture. Eyes closed. And focus on a serene setting. It could be a stream in Gatlinburg, you know, like a little creaky stream. That's obviously what I choose. Uh, you know, it could be a snow-covered mountain. Maybe it's your favorite place that you've ever traveled in your whole life. It's just a serene setting where you're able to experience peace and breathe. And for the first two minutes, you just allow yourself to sit. And when thoughts come into your mind, you just allow those thoughts to kind of to kind of float away. They come, oh, no, I just, I just want to sit as I'm, as I'm speaking a phrase. Maybe the phrase, the phrase I like to use is, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Or you might choose the, the word peace or the word, word grace, whatever it might be. Have a, have a pad with you. When those thoughts come in your mind and they, you can't shake them, write them down. Irritated with husband. Okay, got it. Peace. Peace. Get bread at the grocery. Peace. Because once I write it down, I don't have to think about it anymore. It's done. Peace. Two minutes. Then I take, after two minutes or maybe three minutes, I take the next four minutes and I just, I pray. Whatever things are weighing me down, 
God, I am irritated with my husband. God, whatever, you know, I'm asking for mercy here and that you would help us. To, God, I, I am annoyed with work. I am, whatever it is, we pray for the next four minutes. And then we take the last three minutes again and we, res, we, rep, we, re, we um, move back to that place of serenity and that phrase, peace, peace, peace. Ten minutes every day, 40 days. That might be a model that really works for you. That's centering prayer. That model works very well for many people. And then there's a third model. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to go into this one as much, but I do have for anyone who would like it. I only made 15 copies tonight, but for anyone who would like it, what I have created for you is my own personal, what I would call my morning prayers. And I have... My morning prayers, the prayers that I pray every morning. And so what I do is I set aside time to pray these prayers every morning. This is a combination of prayers, psalms, creeds, uh, prayers of the saints, and then there's uh, even time on the inside for actual uh, prayers of petition where I, I spend time just asking God for stuff. Um, and then it moves, moves you through uh, prayers of the week, prayers for grace, confessions of faith, and then finally, the Jesus prayer. And so what I do is I do this every single morning. And then I also revisit, um, whether it's the psalm of the day uh, or the scripture for the week uh, in the afternoon. And then uh, a lot of times in the evening, here's the deal. I'm just freaking tired, and I don't usually get back to my prayers. Um, I like to, but I, I don't. But that's kind of, this is kind of my my my. Um, my own liturgy for morning prayer. And so if you want to take that with you and just even try that, you need more time in the morning for this, but if you have it, uh, that might be something uh, that you would consider. So here's the thing. All of the stuff that I've given you tonight, these are trellises or trelli. I don't know what they are. It's a trellis. It's something to, to build on, to work with. It's not a, it's not a secret formula. It's not a God's going to be happier with me. It's not a Brian's going to be happier with me. It's a, you know what? I'm continually looking to be shaped and formed. I want to press more into prayer. I want to give something like this a shot. Now, to take that one step further, I would love to do this with anyone who wants to experiment more. But the date is not determined First, I want to know who might be interested. But I'm looking, Christy and I are looking at doing a anywhere from three to five weeks. Haven't decided yet, but we're just going to call it prayer school. Uh, because, I told you last week, we're not thinking beings. And so for me to just stand up here and say, blop, 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 what you really need is practice. What I really need is practice. So if you want to practice, it'll be in the evenings. But if you want to sign up, to do this together and to actually practice these models and dive deeper into some of these models together. I'm going to leave that at our home one night a week coming up. Uh, depending on who signs up, we'll vote together when it's going to be so that it's, it's conducive uh, and it works for, for anyone who wants to come. Uh, if we get three people, we'll do it. So if you think you're interested, um, yeah, I think I'd be interested in learning to pray a little bit more, uh, and we will we'll practice together uh, for three to five weeks, whatever it is. Then sign up, and then I'll email you, and we'll pick a night together. So if that's you, I encourage you to sign up. Um, it's going to be a ton of fun if we get enough people who are interested in it. But my thinking is, 
we'll actually work through. I'll show you my morning liturgy, and we'll work through it. And I'll explain to you why it's set up the way it's set up and how it works and how uh, we'll practice centering prayer. We'll practice uh, uh, the divine hours. We'll practice those things. Then you take it and you say, I like that one. I don't like that one. Great. Also, your exercises for the week on your orange paper, two of them this week are, uh, like, I think it's Tuesday. Pick one of the models and do it on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, pick the other model and try it and just see. But I'm going to tell you right now, practicing a model for one day is not enough, and it's not going to give you your answer. You, you're not allowed to make a decision after one day. Oh, yeah, I didn't like that model. You, you, you know, just do it, but you're not allowed to make a decision, okay? Because that's unfair. It's unfair to the model. It's unfair to the trellis. That would be like setting a trellis in your garden and going out the next day and being like, this thing's a piece of crap. <laughs> Nothing grew on it. Well, of course not. You only gave it one day. So you're not allowed to do that. Everybody got that? Okay. Good.